Welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabar.com. Our podcast is all about the matchmaker sales method, because if it's a fit, it's a fact, and there's no selling involved, and other alternative sales strategies that will bring you help you can implement now. This episode is about eliminating beliefs holding you back from your productivity in sales with Angela Kristen Taylor. As an integrative productivity coach, writer, and speaker, Angela serves as a transformational catalyst to business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. Angela's signature method, Productive Flow, integrates emotion, energy, time, and focus to help clients create natural productive flow and achieve higher levels of success in business, and more importantly, in life. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here, Angela. There was so many, when we met before, there were so many amazing things that you were saying that resonated with what all of us go through when we don't understand why we're not doing the things that we're supposed to do or why there aren't enough hours in the day for us. Um, you know, all those typical lines like, Mm -hmm. wow, where's the time going? What day is it? It's already halfway (laughs) through the year. What happened? It just flies by all these like (laughs) little, um, cliche idioms or whatever. Mm -hmm. Totally. So what you used to struggle with that too, right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. It was really, really hard to just get myself together is what it felt like. Like I was always falling apart. Chaos was everywhere. Like everything was a mess everywhere. I looked, there was a pile and I didn't even know what was in it most of the time. Like, because I'd done it in a rush because I was always rushing from one thing to the next, to the next. And there was no strategy. There was no focus. It was just get through the day. How do I get through the day? And that was it. Yeah. Man, so many people can relate to that. Um, (laughs) what shifted for you? Well, you know, I really had to start looking at why I was like that because I, I didn't want to accept that it's just who I was. And I think I'd been told that a lot, like, this is just who you are, like, just deal with it, you know, or why can't you be more like insert really organized, structured person here. Right. (laughs) And it was just really frustrating and overwhelming. And I felt like a failure and I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So I had to really dig deeper and figure out what was the reason why I was acting that way in the first place. And then how could I turn it around? And so my, my earliest influence or understanding of what it meant to be productive and efficient and organized was my mother. And my mother is a hundred percent a very strong OCD, very strong OCD. So like she had her recipes um, organized on a three month rotating schedule. So like you didn't have that same thing, but three months later you were going to have it like down to the bread. It was always the same. And so her clothes were organized like that. Her whole life was organized like that. And it really like irritated me to the point where it was like, I felt like I couldn't do anything that I just felt like doing because it didn't fit into that, the calendar or the schedule. And Mm. so for me, that was what kind of 
veered me off into the total opposite direction of being completely disorganized <laughs> and just freeing myself. Like, I'm just going to do what I feel like when I feel like, and that's what led to all of the, the chaos. And so I really had to look at that and understand that and there were a lot of stories that I had created from my childhood experiences, the relationship that I had with my mother, the way she saw me through her eyes. And, mm. and I had to really look at those things and say, how is this creating a story in my mind that is informing my next action or informing how I feel about my actions? And what does it look like for me to be organized or to be productive in a way that still allows me that freedom to do what I want when I want to do it? And so that's really what I had to start putting together. It took a while. <laughs> How long is a while? Like 20 years. Okay. <laughs> it's a really that long a while. while. <laughs> that's a while. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing is, you guys, Angela has five children and five. her own business. Um, so mm -hmm. has somebody with two children, like managing their schedules mm -hmm. <laughs> along with my own schedules and basic needs, it's just absolutely yeah. overwhelming. Um, yeah. so even if somebody doesn't have that and is just managing their own schedule, mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. Um, and salespeople generally speaking, we're not detail oriented. Let's be yeah. honest here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So details are usually a big part of being organized and productive. Yeah. So what did you like, what did you figure out that worked for you over 20 years that yeah. allowed you to manage all of these schedules and all of these details? Yeah. So really what it, it the first thing I had to come to understand was that most of the people who taught productivity and taught scheduling and organization had never had a problem with it. So what I realized as I was studying more about psychology and things like that, that their brain did not function the same way mine does. Mm -hmm. And that my reason and need for freedom was very different from their reason and need for order. And so there was, there's like a breakdown there. If you don't, if you're trying to use someone who's very organized and productive and efficient, you're trying to use their system to create your life and your world. It's not going to work for you because you're using a system that, that doesn't fit for your brain, never going to work. But if you try to figure out what system works for you, then you have something that works. You know what I mean? Like, it, yes, you got to so, figure out what works for you. So what I did was I created a, like a system basically that could work for anyone, no matter what their need or, or, or projection into the world of organization or chaos was. And so this was that productive flow method, which is emotion, energy, time, and focus. So I understood that if I could figure out exactly what I wanted my life to look like and feel like, then that was me creating like a, a destination, like my inner GPS was going to say, here's where I want to go. Yeah. And then from there, I could backtrack that and say, okay, if this is the life I want to live and I want it to look like this, then how am I spending my time now versus how I could be spending my time so that it looked like this? 
And then that really created how I made decisions, what things I bought into or didn't, what things I decided to move forward on or not, and how I organized and regulated my time. And then from there, I'm like, okay, well, if this is the way I'm going to spend my time, then what do I need to do to make sure that I have the energy to spend my time in that way? So it was making sure things like, you know, the way I was eating that would support my emotional state, right? Mm -hmm. That I could get a good night's sleep at night, you know, Um, that I was feeling balanced and awake and functional and not stressed out and overwhelmed all the time. And then I had to look at what those stories from childhood that were left over were telling me and how that was informing my behaviors. So it's like, you kind of start at the end at focus and then you work your way backwards and then you have a system that works for you. And so what that allowed me to do was have the five kids. Um, so we're yours, mine, and ours. And so my husband had two, I had two, then we had one together. So what we ended up with were four kids in a blended family, which I think is more stressful than four kids in a non-blended family. <laughs> I would agree. And, yeah, it's really tough. Um, And then we were homeschooling all four of those kids. So that was my responsibility. Um, I was breastfeeding an infant um, pretty much nonstop because that's what we do. (laughs) You know, when you're breastfeeding, it seems like it's nonstop. Uh, And then I had uh, 40 clients that I was coaching. Uh, I ran three live classes that were in person at a different location each week. And Mm -hmm. my house was clean. My car was clean. um, The laundry was done. There were no pileups. And I got time to spend with me just by myself. I got time to spend with my husband. I got time to spend with each kid. And it felt really easy. It felt effortless. And it was because I set myself up for that, that flow so that it just worked. And it worked for us in the way we live our life. That's probably sounds really crazy to anyone who's listening. Um, (laughs) The 40 clients that you were coaching, like, did you do one-on-one time with them and stuff? Um, Some of them, some of them, and some of them were in group. So um, it really was more of a, it was, I had group programs set up and then they could book one-to-one time with me. So it wasn't like I had weekly one-to-one slots with each person, but it was groups and then they could book the one-to-one time. Yeah. 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 And that's while the kids were growing up. Now we've got four adults, one nine-year-old, three dogs, and I'm on a 45-hour work month. Yeah. And so you just have like oodles of free time. Yeah. Lots of it. (laughs) That sounds like the dream. Um, yeah. yeah. So how do you help people go through that? I mean, they, they talk about the InDesign that they want Mm -hmm. and then they peel back. I think that what the struggle probably is for people is they don't know what questions to ask. You said something like, um, how can I set myself up to make that time happen? Are you talking about like do things in a sequence that flows with each other, like laundry is happening on Sunday or something like that. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. So um, the reason I say sometimes is because it it depends on the individual and I'm 
I'm really adamant that you can't take my life and put it and make yours mold to it, right? It's like you have to use a system and then take that system and mold your life to it, right? Because that's how you get it to actually work and work mm-hmm. long-term for you, right? So um, a lot of times what I see is that people create this idea of what they think they want and mm-hmm they have no idea how to get there because they're focused on the wrong goals. They're focused usually on like, I want to earn a certain amount of money Mm -hmm. and especially salespeople. It's like, we're trained to kind of think that way. Like how much Mm -hmm. money do you want to make? Okay. Then break that down. How many, what's your average sale? How many calls do you make to get to that number? Right. Right. So it's like, we're trained to focus on the numbers, but the numbers are not what motivates us. What motivates us are the things that we do with the money, <laughs> not the actual money. So when we think in terms of what we want our life to look like, that's when we look at our lives where it's it's not so much um, like an end place that we're trying to get to, but more so like, what do we want every day to look like? What do we want every day to feel like? And oftentimes what we find is that we're we're shooting for the wrong things. And we're doing things that we think we should do or we have to do when in reality, you you don't, you know? So like one of the things that um, we found is we like to eat dinner together, but we don't like to eat the same things. And that was an issue that we had when the, the four older kids were younger is that not only did they not eat the same things, they couldn't eat the same things because we had a variety of different allergies. In oh the my house. God. <laughs> and so it was really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, we eat, what are we doing? Like making four different meals here? Like That's that would become yeah. really overwhelming. But there are some people would think, no, we have to have a family dinner. We're going to have to sit down together and we're going to have to make four different meals. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I do this where I'm not making four different meals all the time? And we have one thing that I'm making and then that's it. And so what I did was I was like, well, I hate to cook. So I'm going to figure this out. And so I would take one day a week and I would sit down and I would literally like make a whole bunch of different food items. So I'd make like different meats, different vegetables, different grains, different breads. And I'd like, and they had to be made of everything from scratch with all the allergies and issues. So I'd sit there, I'd make everything. It would take me about four hours and then I would be done and I'd put it all in the fridge and then everybody could just kind of mix and match based on what they wanted to eat, what they felt like eating, what they were able to eat. And that made it super simple so that we could all sit down at the same time and have a meal and all kind of make it something different. Interesting. So, I mean, meal prepping is something that people always struggle with. Um, But Mm -hmm. what you're saying is that you prop, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. if you don't want a meal prep, like, you know, you should, but it just doesn't sound like something you want to do. So you come mm-hmm. up with all the reasons not to do it mm-hmm. and um, have all the excuses. Sometimes not even just, I didn't feel like it today. Uh, you're saying, I'm guessing that there's a story behind that. That is the reason that you're not doing it. And once you figure out what that story is and you remove it, then it's not yeah. an issue. Yeah. So like, for instance, a lot of people don't like dinner prep time because of when it happens during the day, because at the end of the day, they're tired, they're worn out. And the last thing they want to do when they have zero energy left is to do the one thing they don't enjoy doing, which is cooking. 
Yeah. Right. So if we plan that out to do that in a day, in a time frame that we have the energy and the wherewithal to do it without being resentful about it, then we can make all our food at once. And then let me tell you the feeling, okay, from somebody who doesn't like to cook and doesn't like to like be functional after two or 3 PM. Okay. <laughs> Is that yeah. I, when I made everything, I, I literally would walk out to the extra fridge in the garage and just open it up and look at it. And it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, ah, you know, because yeah. it's like all this golden energy coming out of the fridge. It's like this beautiful thing where all the food was made and it was so simple and so easy. And it took less time than if I added up all the time through the week that I was dedicating to doing it in an angry, resentful state. Yeah, that I could do it here in that little bit of time when it was in the morning when I was at my freshest and happiest, and it it felt easy and fun, and there was no no resentment around it at all, and so it's just it's the same thing. You know, you start to realize the first thing I did when I started to get myself was like, okay, I'm going to get myself organized. I'm going to make this happen. Is I bought this really beautiful desk planner thing from Pottery Barn, and it had all the days in the week. And I listed everything from every single day down on the, for the week of what I was going to do. And I took great care and time in putting this together. And so I started my week out on Monday. And by the time I got to Friday, I had finally finished everything on the list for Monday. And (laughs) that was it. Like I didn't even get to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because I had no idea how long it actually took me to do things or how I felt when I was doing them. And so that's when I kind of came up with the idea of keeping a time journal and really looking at when I spent my time, if I spent my time, like, like a food journal, right. You write down what you eat when you ate it. This is writing down what you do when you did it. And then how you felt when you did it. And what that tells you is what things you enjoy doing, what things you don't enjoy doing, what time of day you're like most active and awake and what time of day you're like, "Mm, no, I'm done. I'm done for the day. (laughs) And then you can start to figure out how to plug your activities into the right time slots so that you have the energy to do those things during that time. And you also understand how to get things done more efficiently. So like, you know, if you're one of those people that has laundry that piles up constantly, then if you just did one load a day, then it's easier, you know, and I would do things like um, get rid of the laundry basket. Because if I had a laundry basket, it was going in there and then it'd sit on the sofa for a week. But if I took the laundry basket away, then it was like, wait a minute, now I got to fold it up out, you know, fold it up as it comes out of the dryer. And now there's nothing wrinkled and there's nothing on my sofa. So it it kind of fixed that little tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Little things, little things. Well, I think one thing that most people aren't thinking of is how they feel doing something. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty, um, different that focus. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've definitely heard of people structuring things around when they're most awake and fresh and active and Mm -hmm. and that kind of a thing. Like I actually was at an event where this woman was admitting that she was a night owl and she got her best stuff done at like Mm 3am. And, um, so she was using Google's the, the scheduler, um, Mm -hmm. tool in Google because people would think she was really weird if she sent an email at 3am. So she had to schedule it to go out at a later time. And then sadly, at the end of the conversation, she said the thing that she wanted to do differently this year was become a morning person. And I was like, no, 
Lean into, you figured out what you need to to Mm -hmm. thrive. And when you are successful, lean into that. Do not change because people say you should be a morning person or whatever. That's my point. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a morning person and I'm most active and energized in the morning, but not everybody is, you know, some people are night owls and they get their best work done. They're most creative, everything in the middle of the night. It's like, you got to go with that. You have to honor that part of yourself. And if you're that person who really trudges around in the morning, then your morning stuff should be more along the lines of finding your balance for the day, you know, working your way, easing your way into your day. Like, don't try to rush around and be like super active in the morning. That's not going to be your thing. Yeah. Those are some really good baselines that I hope everybody can take away from here. Um, to anchor themselves and really just that self-awareness of, of how you feel inside your body and how you're, yeah. when you're doing certain things. Yeah. Um, and that introspection, it sounds like is crucial for how you can get so much done in so little time. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is too, is that there's a lot to the personal stories that we have inside because the personal stories are the things that You know, a lot of us who are in sales or entrepreneurship in some way, shape or form that it's usually because we, we don't fit inside of that structured traditional box and we don't want to, you know? And so we're kind of bucking the system in a lot of ways. And we're, a lot of times that comes from having a lot of control over us um, when we were children where we didn't get the control that we wanted. Mm -hmm. And so what happened? is when we grow up, we're like, well, I'm not going to live like that. And nobody's going to tell me when I have to show up for work or, or how much money I'm able to earn or whatever, you know? So we kind of buck that traditional system. And then we go out and we do our own thing. But then the stories that show up that are stopping us from taking the action we have to take every day and results in that procrastination or no, I didn't pick up the phone today or, oh, I got stuck in the busy work today. Right. These are all just signs of procrastination. And they're usually coming from those childhood stories that we've heard that says, oh no, someone, they don't want to buy from you. They don't want to have what you have. They don't want to do what you're doing. You're not worthy. You're nobody's going to listen to you, you know? And so we stop ourselves from doing those things, or we put chaos and clutter and disorganization as a block in front of us so that we actually can't get to the things that are actually going to take us to where we want to go. And that is the biggest issue that comes up that I see more and more often. And it's where the disorganization comes from. Hmm. So it sounds like in most cases, it's not that someone has too many commitments. It's that they're not noticing which commitments they enjoy and not knowing when to schedule the commitments and the story behind the commitment. Well, it's really more about why did you create so many commitments to begin with? Well, why did you homeschool four children, have three Mm -hmm. live workshops in person, Mm -hmm. 40 clients and breastfeeding an infant? Yeah, because I could, and it was easy at that point, right? (laughs) So you're saying the difference is what I wanted to do. The difference is that the other people are doing the commitments because they feel like they have to. 
Yes. When you find the commitments that you are full on board for, that you love, you are like super excited about, there's nothing that's going to stop you from doing those things. So you get them done really quickly and efficiently because you're lit Mm. up and on fire about them, especially if you're honoring your kind of your personal time flow, you know, and it's when we when we have something set up, so like, I'm going to use one that everybody hates. Okay. When you, it's time to sit down and do your taxes. Okay. Like, what do we do? We put that off into the last possible minute. Like we hate doing that. Right. So we don't do it. We don't do it. We don't do it. And we're nagging ourselves constantly. We got to do that. We got to do that. We got to do that. And it's in the back of our head and it's actually creating this energy drain. So it's like pulling and pulling at us so much that it takes us so much longer to do it or to to get other things done because we know we're supposed to be doing that and we don't want to. And it just makes us more irritable, more angry, more frustrated, yeah. more stressed. And then when we do it, we're like, oh God, thank God that's done. I don't even want to look at taxes for like a long time, like ever. I'm going to hire somebody next year to do it. And then you never do until it's too late. And then they don't have any room for you. You know? Right. <laughs> so. Yes. That's such a good example. Um, So, I mean, I think this is something that everyone can relate to, and it definitely isn't in line with my philosophy that nothing is one size fits all, especially not sales. Like, so taking someone else's sales strategy and using it and saying, oh man, why isn't it working for me? It must be because I'm bad at sales. It's just intrinsically wrong. So it sounds exactly like your philosophy. Yeah. And that thing is that when they say that to themselves, it's just reinforcing those childhood stories that they're bad and wrong. And again, this is coming from that feeling of if you were that kid that kind of stood out and you were um, like, people told you you weren't enough or you were too much or whatever. um, You know, I got all that stuff too. And, you know, I was terrible in school because I didn't like anything they taught, but if it was something interesting, like I loved history, like third grade took my whole history book home and read it cover to cover over the weekend because I was so excited about it. You know, it's like things like that. We're interested. We're on it. Well, you know, what just came to mind is that maybe the reason so many of us struggle with this, the main message that I find that every human struggles with is I'm not enough, not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wonder if this internal flogging comes from the fact that as soon as we go to school, we're shoved into a one size fits all system and told that this is the way you're supposed to do it. And if you don't do it, yeah, that's why you homeschooled. Okay. Yeah. So your kids don't feel like, oh my God, if I don't, if I don't thrive in this environment, something's wrong with Mm -hmm. me is the message. Exactly. Exactly. And also understanding that, you know, not every kid is going to learn at the same pace or even learn a subject at the same pace. So for instance, you know, my, the kids all went to school at some point and then we pulled them all out and homeschooled them. Um, right after my husband and I met and got married, we, we pulled all the kids out. And so it was all for different reasons, but I'll give you my, my daughter's example. Cause it's really relevant to this is that um, she had just finished third grade and they said, you know, she's really smart. We want to put her in the gifted program. We're going to test her for gifted. I'm like, okay. So they test her for gifted and they're like, okay, great. She passes. So she's going to be in gifted next year. I'm like, okay, great. What does that mean? And they said, that means that she's going to do all her regular work. And then she'll have like extra work for the gifted program that she gets on top of that. I said, okay, so because she's smart, she gets extra work 
I said, what, what subjects is she getting extra work in? They said, all of them. I said, so you're telling me that she has to be in the gifted program and be in the gifted program for every subject? And they said, yes. I said, you guys understand that gifted children have asynchronous development, which means that they're really strong in some subjects and really weak in others. And they're like, yeah, but that's not how it works in the public school system. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's how it works in the human brain. So she really struggles in math and she has a really hard time doing her grade level math. So why would you put her in gifted level math only to make her feel more like a failure? Yeah, crush her. And they're like, well, it's up to you and you don't have to put her in the gifted program. If you want to hold her back, that's your choice. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was when we pulled her out to homeschool her because we could go at the pace that she wanted to go in and allow her to study the subject she wanted to study. So here's what that ended up as being is that at 20 years old, okay, she just turned 20 this month, okay, at 20 years old, she is currently earning around between 40 and $50,000 a year. Um, she has her own apartment, which she has had for over a year. She has a brand new car that she paid for herself. She mm -hmm. has a 780 credit score. <laughs> so, I mean, all of this, that she had achieved by the time she was 19 and she's a certified health coach and she works with teenagers with eating disorders and she is a talented digital artist and crafter and she has all this stuff going on and she loves every single bit of her life and she's getting ready to open up an apothecary shop on on etsy all of this and she so just turned 20 you know and it's because she was able to go after what she wanted to go after without anything holding her back. And with the understanding that where she wanted to go, she could create a focus for that and say, okay, how do I allocate my time to allow me to get to that place? And then she does it. Well, I think it's also that nobody told her you have to do things this way that doesn't exactly. feel exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that permission. Yeah. Um, that permission mm -hmm. and knowing with confidence that you'll get yeah. better results, not doing it that way. Exactly. Exactly. It's really, yeah. Really and, cool. and that's where a lot of the, a lot of the shoulds come from is from our childhood stories saying, well, you're supposed to be this way. You're supposed to be that way, or you should do this or you should do that. And then we put those same things on ourselves with our own kids and our own families. Like, well, we should have dinner together as a family every night. We should have, you know, brunch on Sundays or we should all get together at the holidays. And it's not that we shouldn't do that. It's just that sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. And we have to create a life for ourselves that really feeds our spirit. Because when we live every day in a place of passion and creativity and, and knowing that, we only have to take the daily steps that are going to get us to that space. And you look at your daily steps. If your daily steps are full of chaos and clutter and disorganization, there's a reason for that. And so instead of trying to make yourself something that you're not, look at what the reasons behind why you feel like you have to do all this stuff or why you feel like you don't want to do it. And we start picking those things apart it's so much easier to start putting a life together that looks like one of those lives that everybody's like, how do you do all that? 
that's impossible. It's like, no, it's not. It's super easy. As soon as you figure out what's stopping you. Yeah. And I think the alternative of that is what a life, like if you're not feeding your spirit and you're living a life mm -hmm. of shoulds. Yeah. What kind of life is that? Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a really sad one. Um, yeah. frustrating with little glimpses, mm -hmm. little glimmers of happiness, but overall you're like, I just have to get through this day. I just have to exactly. get through this week. I just have to exactly. get through this year. I have to get yep. through this season of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's a good stopping point for us. And I have loved this conversation so much, so much aligns with what I believe in. And also there were so many insights. So we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. And this episode was eliminating beliefs, holding you back from your productivity and sales. Thanks again to Angela for making an appearance as our guest today. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Yeah, sure. Um, go to ProductiveFlow.com. It's the best space. We have all our programs and services and things there. And uh, I have a really great prosperity program that is only $47 a month and allows people to create their own accountability group and really focus in on the things that they want to get done. And it's specifically for entrepreneurs and sales professionals. Amazing. This has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of the people you talk to without pain, pressure, or pretending to be someone else. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time.